Well, I trust that was the uh, the prayer of uh, Mabel Jansen's heart these last few days. Um, if you don't know, she passed away last night, eight o'clock, and uh, so uh, not sure about the details of the funeral or anything at this point. But uh, be in prayer for her family. I'm not sure the spiritual condition of of all of them, but um, certainly there is a time of of joyful grief, you know, where you have a mix a mix of both uh, grief because she's gone and, and sorrow, but it's not a sorrow without any hope. And uh, it's a joy because recognize that she has conquered death because Christ conquered death and, and she will now be able to enjoy eternal life. Well, let's pray this morning, pray for the family and uh, for God's blessing on our time together. Father, thank you for uh, Mabel. Thank you for her um, her trust in you, her, her uh, confession of faith, and and her service to you over the years, and uh, I think that's evidenced in the salvation of many of her um, many of her children and grandchildren, and we just pray for them at this time, for Joyce and Nancy, and and for the six grandchildren. We pray that you would just uh, minister to them and and to her other uh, family, and even to uh, us here at our church as we lose. A loved one. We pray that you would um, minister to them at this time. May you strengthen and encourage them, help them to to find confidence in in uh, knowing that when Jesus returns, that she will be among the first who is resurrected, uh, and to have her body, which is going to be put into the ground, um, be resurrected and joined with her spiritual person. And we just pray that. Uh, you would minister to us this morning as we uh, look into your word. Help us to understand it and to acknowledge your authority over us and to apply the truths that we learn this morning to our lives and, and uh, how we live in the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, over the past uh, four weeks, we've looked at kind of the application of uh, biblical manhood and womanhood. What does it look like in the home? We took two weeks to to do that, and we looked at some some specific passages in that regard. And we also looked at two weeks, what does biblical manhood and womanhood look like in the church? What does that mean for roles of men and women within the context of the local church? And um, obviously, uh, let me begin like I did last week, this time without without giving you a help. And that is, can anyone summarize for us the main principle that we've learned in this class? What's the main principle that we've learned from our study of the Scripture? Okay, equal in what way? Okay, work. Okay, different in role, different in function. That's that's exactly right. So you have man and woman were created in the image of God and therefore are equal in worth, equal in, in the way that they were made before God and, and they're standing before God. Remember, even in, in, um, in salvation, Paul makes the point that there is neither Jew nor Gentile. You know, there's neither slave nor free, um, male nor female. The idea there is not that they're equal in every way, but they're equal in worth in, in their standing, their justification Men are no more justified than women are, right? So we understand that, that equality in essence and worth, but different in function. And this is where we 
this is where we differ from those who are egalitarians. They who, those egalitarians that try to use the scripture as their means to, um, to uh, to make their point, say that yes, they are equal in worth, equal in essence. They agree with us on that. But then they say they're also equal. That is, man and woman are equal also in function. And the only reason that there are different functions. Uh, within our society, within our church, within our homes, is because of the fall. But what we saw in Genesis chapter 2 was that, uh, that those roles, those responsibilities, those functions, actually were set up before the fall. They were part of the created order. And um, so now we come to what biblical manhood and womanhood looks like in the world. So... Um, what does it look like in the secular world, world place? That is, uh, uh, workplace. What is a biblical idea of complementarian, complementarianism? What does it look like with regard to our jobs? Okay, with regard to men and women at work. What, what about in the marketplace or, or just in society in general? What about, um, what about the Bible? What does the Bible have to say about specific prescriptions for the way that we interact with the uh, people of the opposite gender what does the bible have to say you know is it the same do we have explicit texts in the scripture like we did with the home and with the church you know in the home that that man is to be the loving leader the the servant leader within the home and the woman is supposed to be the helper and in the church the the woman is not to have authority to have authority over a man or to teach a man does that uh, do we have any of those types of of uh, guardrails or responsibilities in in the uh, in our society. In other words, does the Bible say anything about that? How can we embrace biblical masculinity and femininity and live as faithful Christian men and women outside the home and the church? Okay, these are some of the questions that we want to answer uh, this morning. Now, if you think about it, maybe you were thinking about it in preparation for this class. You knew this was coming you probably recognize that there are no explicit texts that talk about a man, a man's role in society and a woman's role in society. I mean, there's no sustained teaching on how men and women ought to relate to each other and conduct themselves within the workplace like we have within the home and within the church. Right? We saw uh, several of those passage, passages uh, that I mentioned earlier. Um, so there so if we don't have any passages then then what do we do? How do we go from here if the Bible is silent on an explicit way that we're supposed to interact with in society within society does God even care? Do we just go on kind of making our own choices? Um how do we operate when the Bible doesn't speak specifically on an issue that we're looking at like is the topic of this class? today well in general when the bible is silent when scripture doesn't offer any particular question or topic that is directly to the point or crystal clear then we still have instruction from god's word that will guide us okay i'm not talking about just biblical manhood and womanhood i'm talking about any area of life that uh, the Bible doesn't speak explicitly about the, these are these are ways that we find out what's in the mind of God with regard to these things. 
Okay, because Second Peter chapter one, let's turn there. Second Peter chapter one. We'll start with verse two. Second Peter one and two. Or I'm sorry, verses two and three. Would someone read Second Peter one, two, and three? And the next one as well, please. Alright, the 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 uh phrase that I want to focus in on is in verse three. That his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Okay, God's divine power has given us everything that that we need for life and godliness. So, if we have a question with regard to what we ought to do in life and with regard to our pursuit of godliness, then God's power has given it to us. That is, uh, specifically through His Word, that He has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. So, this is where it come, we come to these ideas. When the Bible is silent on a specific area of responsibility or a specific area of life and godliness, then here's what we do. We look at first the broader principles. Okay, Are there broader principles that speak to this idea of manhood and womanhood in the world? Does the Bible have anything to say about that broadly in a principial form? Okay, What about behaviors or ideas? Are there thought processes that are good and bad for believers to think with regard to uh, being a man or being a woman? Then next... Uh, general priorities. Okay, what what kind of things does the scripture give priority to? Um, you know, obviously we have a lot in the scriptures that, uh, with regard to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and so you know that's what the scriptures are focusing on. the The focus is on Jesus Christ and His coming to the earth, His dying for us, and so that's how you can see the the weight of material in the scripture is prioritized to give Jesus Christ first place in the Scriptures. Okay, so, so we look for the priorities. What is the most important things that God is doing? What are the most important things that God is doing? So, so priorities. And then finally, examples. Do we have any positive examples to follow with how men interact with society or in their jobs? Do we have any positive examples of how women interact in society, in the marketplace, in their jobs? And what about negative examples? Can we, can we learn from negative examples? Absolutely. We can learn what not to do, right? And, uh, and so we, we have those as well. We can find these in Scripture and, and um, based on that, draw out principles by which we ought to live. What, what is it for life and godliness that God is looking for? Look for the priorities, uh, the principles, the priorities, and the examples. All right. So this is kind of a um this is kind of a, a second level type research that we have to do into the scriptures. Okay, if there are no explicit texts we have to, to, to go out to the second level. And I'm sure you can think of some other examples of things in life where the scripture is is silent and yet you still have to make a choice that that is very very well may have a right or a wrong answer to it. Um, 
So let's think about principles first. All right, principles. We've already talked about the main principle that we've learned in this class, which is that man and women, man and woman are made in the image of God. They are equal in worth, equal in essence, different in function. Okay, so since we've looked there at Genesis 1 through 3, if we hadn't looked there and we were just going, okay, for a topical study of how we interact in the world, this is the place we would go. We would start out going by to Genesis 1 through 3, but since we've already been there, I, I, oh, I don't think we need to do that again. Okay, but, but what we're going to find there is that the very natures of man being made in the image of God and then given a responsibility dictates how the man ought to live. And the same thing is true for the woman. That, yes, we are equal in in worth and in value. We are both made in the image of God, but different from one another with regard to our responsibilities. So, Paul said earlier, and we've summarized several times, that, that we are different in function. So, tell me, in what ways are we different in function? I'm looking at a big picture perspective here. I'm not talking about necessarily within the home, but as a whole... What could we call the responsibilities for the man and the responsibilities for the woman? How could we summarize those, Vicky? Okay, two simple words to help us, uh, and, and that's exactly correct. The man is the leader and the loving servant. Okay, remember the greatest leader will be the greatest servant. That doesn't mean that he's a that he's a dictator, that he is domineering, but that he is lovingly leading with her best interests in mind and the woman ought to be the helper. Remember, this was established before the marriage relationship was there in Genesis chapter 2. Okay, so now when we think about this with regard to society, this is how we we start to to work to work with what we have. Okay, so we're we're basically taking what would we would call a theological grid, okay? Or we could you know, in Bible school, vacation Bible school, we call them our Bible glasses. Put your Bible glasses on. And that's the idea. We look at life differently through this grid. And, and the idea is that as we understand God's purposes for the world, His priorities, His principles, we put this grid over everything that we do so that when the Bible doesn't say anything about it, we have this theological grid. Well, man is actually supposed to be the leader and the woman is supposed to be the helper. Okay, so... Here's what we can say about how man and woman live in society, how they're ought to operate. And that is that at some level, man should be generally inclined toward leading and providing within the society. And at some level, the woman is supposed to be inclined toward helping and, um, and completing or complementing. Okay, why? Because that's the way that God made man and woman. That's part of the created order. Okay, so we kind of have our first little uh, peg to, to hang our, our, um, our first hook on here, that, that in some way, man is supposed to be a leader in society and woman is supposed to be a helper. In addition to the uh, simple existence of the created order, we have several instances in Scripture in which the male and female followers of Christ are instructed to embrace and pursue the natural growth, outgrowth of that natural order, that is masculinity and femininity. Okay, so that is, if you are masculine, if you are called to be masculine, then be masculine within society. If you're called to be feminine, be feminine within 
society. Okay, so embrace those roles that God has given you. That's not a bad thing. Um, it, w- it would not seem to make sense that, you know, God has purpose for us to, for men to be masculine, and we do that. Okay, we do that in the home. We do that in the church. But then when we get to society, we can just kind of throw that off, and we can start embracing some sort of feministic type um, uh, mentality. And the same is true, the converse is true with women. Okay, we, God has a certain responsibility for you within the home and within the church. Well, we have explicit text on that. And now when we get to society, we just shed that. Uh, or ladies, you shed that and start um, ask, acting more mac- masculine. So, for example, we've talked about the general godly feminine trait of submissiveness. Okay, or as First Peter 3 calls it, a gentle and a quiet spirit. Okay, obviously we understand that First Peter 3 is talking about marriage. And, um, and we agreed that the, the most beautiful thing about a godly woman is her characteristic. That is her, her gentle and quiet spirit. That, that she is, whether married or not, is acting like she was made to be. That is feminine. Okay? Um, and similarly, we thought about several passages about um, men being protective servant leaders. Obviously, that's most intensely seen within the marriage relationship, that he is to give of himself, that he's to consider her as more important than himself. He is to, um, he is to, uh, to, to love his wife as he loves himself. He is to live with her, First Peter 3 says, in an understanding way. That doesn't mean just kind of bulldoze through life and just you know hope, follow behind in my, the wake of my, my trail here, but... But instead, he's uh, considering her needs as more important than him, his, himself. And um, so we have characteristics that are laid out for us in Scripture. And it would make sense that God would want these characteristics to carry over into a job or, or with how we interact in, in the marketplace or society. So... Let me put it another way. Whenever Scripture addresses masculinity or femininity, it presents and commends a consistent vision of each person within their responsibilities based on the created order. Okay, so whenever it talks about masculinity, it talks about it in terms of leading, providing, okay, caring for, concern, giving, serving, Okay, that, that sort of idea. For, for femininity, whenever the Bible talks about it, it talks about it in terms of helping and complementing and supporting what the man is, is called to do. Um, and so that would make sense that, that this would be what God has intended also for society as well. All right. Well, we're going to get into um, some specifics and maybe some general guidelines as well that we can follow here. But let me just read this and then I'll see if you have any questions. So here's the point. Pursue some version of biblical manhood and womanhood within society. We don't have explicit commands. You must do X. You must do Y. Uh, Ladies, you must do this. You must not do this or that, that sort of thing. We don't have that. 
And, and so I think we can say that this principle would be um, sufficient. Any questions or comments so far? Okay, we're kind of just laying some groundwork here before we get into some specifics, and then I'll give you time at the end to ask questions on how this applies to your workplace. Or Any, any questions so far? Okay. Um, so the responsibilities that the Bible does clearly give uh, to men and women in the home and in the church bear on what they can and, and should pursue outside those contexts. So here's where we move to limitations. Okay, so now we started with we must pursue some form of biblical masculinity if you're a man and some form of biblical femininity if you're a woman. But actually, you can't. that doesn't give you freedom to do whatever you want because within your responsibility, within the home and within the church, it actually limits what you can and cannot do with outside of the home and the church. Do you understand? So because you have a responsibility to do, for example, let me just give an example for a wife and a mother. Okay, If your primary responsibility is to care for the needs of your husband and your children within the home, then that limits what you can do outside of the home. Now, we're going to see, obviously, that there are some exceptions to that. Um, even the Proverbs 31 woman gives us a great example of a, 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 an industrious woman who's working outside the home, but she's doing it for a single purpose, to provide for, to support the needs of the home, to actually reduce the burden that, that the husband has to, to provide and to lead. And so uh, I hope you recognize what I'm saying here when I'm talking about limitations. I'm saying that uh, because of the responsibilities that God has already given us within the home and the church, we are to do this. We are to do uh, these various things with regard to our gender. Then that means we can't do other things outside of the home. It, it restricts us. Um, and the same is true for men, not just women. If the Bible places certain positive responsibilities on husbands and fathers to care for and to love and to disciple their wives and children. And Scripture calls them to build for eternity by serving in and at least aspiring to, to some position of ministry within the church, if that's what the Bible calls them to do, then that reduces or limits what they can do outside of the church. That is, it reduces what they, it limits what they can do with their leisure time. Okay, it limits what 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 I can do with with you know my free time because I have responsibilities with regard to my family and I have responsibilities with regard to my church, right? And uh, and so that, that that limits where we can go. So where does all leave us? Okay, if we don't have enough in Scripture to say. Definitely do this within the world or in the job place, men. Definitely do this, women, within the world place. Or definitely don't do this. Um, if the Scripture doesn't say, what what do we do? Um, I think we, we start at a good spot. We, we start with the principles that we know are true, that, that God values biblical masculinity and femininity, and then we go from there. And from there, I want to leave you with two encouragements. Okay, and then I'll leave the rest of our time for um, questions if you have them. First, 
pursue worldly endeavors that embrace and encourage your identity as a biblical man or woman rather than undermine or suppress it. Okay, pursue worldly endeavors that embrace and encourage your identity as a man or a woman biblically. This is really an encouragement to pursue those things that seem naturally to help make use of your responsibilities and build on them so that you're better equipped to do what you're supposed to do within the ones that are clear. What are your clear responsibilities within the home and within the church? And that means, conversely, that you must be more cautious about undertaking things that would actually usurp your responsibility. Suppress it. Undermine your responsibility as a man or as a woman. Okay, it's things that would seem to stand in contradiction that would give um, tension. I think I put that on the handout. Okay, did, so so here's some some questions that you can kind of ask when you think about uh, taking on a new job or doing some sort of activity within society. So let's just take the idea of, of, wom- of women taking secular jobs that place them in leadership and authority over men. Okay? Think about this with me. Don't answer this too quickly. Think about this before you answer. Is it inherently wrong or unbiblical for a godly woman to, to pursue or hold a position of leadership in the workplace? Okay? Inherently wrong and clearly clearly unbiblical. Do we have any what I mean by that is do we have any texts of scripture that tell us that a godly woman cannot be in a position of leadership within the workplace? Okay? So, I would suggest to you the answer to that is no, we can't say that. We can't say here's a chapter, here's a verse. Okay? The only thing that we can do is is go back to a principle um but what we can say is that the more the more a woman holds personal and direct authority over a man in any situation, particularly in the workplace, okay, the more that she holds personal and direct authority over a man, the more that stands in tension with God's created order. And the harder that it's going to be for both that woman and the men who are under her to practice biblical masculinity and femininity. Okay, See how your theological grid helps shape what you can and, and should be doing within society? The Bible doesn't say women cannot be in a position of authority within the workplace, but whenever that is the case, there's going to be tension. And we just have to, we we need to recognize that. We need to to recognize that that if um, it's actually going to harm our responsibility, if it's actually going to deter us from doing our responsibilities um, of being a biblical man or a woman, then maybe it's not the best thing to be doing. So I would say that this, it's a matter of wisdom. You need to, to think about this with regard to um, to uh, to how you can carry out your responsibility in those various areas. Okay, so if we agree that practicing upholding God's created order and biblical masculinity and femininity, if we agree that that's a good thing, then the more that a situation undermines that order, okay, 
And, and the more it undermines the man or woman's ability to practice that femininity or masculinity, the more cautious we should be when pursuing it. So, men, if you have the opportunity to be a, a Mr. Mom, you shouldn't jump into that with you know, both feet right away. Take some time and think about that. What is your responsibility within society? What is your responsibility within your home Okay, to provide for? Ladies, if you're given a position of authority, don't jump on that really quickly. Take some time and think about it. Is it helpful for you to pursue your responsibility to be a biblical, biblically feminine, feminine woman? Femi- biblically feminine would be a better way to say it. All right. And then uh, secondly, um, well, this is not your second point here, but with, within this point, okay, it's going to create tension. But then also a good question to ask is why are you doing this? Why are you pursuing a role in society that causes that tension? Do you see? What, what's the point? Are you trying to advance yourself, your name, your endeavors? Um, you know, maybe it's for the sake of money. And so, so it's good to just examine your heart and talk to a, a, a brother or sister in Christ who, who can give you a straight answer. Okay? That doesn't mean go up to all the people are just going to be agreeable with you. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'm right behind you. Okay, But ask somebody who's going to be genuinely honest with you and uh, ask them their, their thoughts on that. And particularly if you're married, okay, talk to your spouse about this. Don't just jump into this. Hey, I got this opportunity. I'm jumping on it. Remember, you, you, the, the two have become one flesh. And so especially in, in big decisions like that, that needs to be that needs to be talked about. There needs to be some wisdom that's uh, that's involved there. Obviously, it should be a matter of prayer, talking to God about this. God, is this something that you want for me, or is this something that I'm pursuing apart from you? All right. So there's some general. Uh, there's a first general guideline. Okay. Embrace and encourage your identity as a biblical man and woman, and don't try to undermine or suppress it. Otherwise, you're going to have tension and. Uh, possibly could be doing it for the wrong reasons. Any questions or comments on that? Vicki? Yeah. Um, well, the truth is, is that no matter, okay, take the person in the highest authority in the entire world, okay, whoever has the highest, he still is in submission to other people. I mean, you know, even the president is is in submission to his, he can't just do whatever he wants. He's not, he can't just arbitrarily make his choice. And, and ultimately, he's in submission to God. So there's really not one man who, who ever could be in a position where he's in, um, unbridled authority that is unbridled lack of submission or lack of of service okay but the general pattern is and i think i think you make a good point the general pattern is that the man is the one who's supposed to be in that position of authority and who's supposed to be carrying out his responsibilities of providing leading protecting and the one okay so let's take 
let's take an example like a, a drill sergeant. I don't think we have any female drill sergeants in here that I know of. But um, but that sort of thing, you know, if if there was ever a possibility, if there ever came to a place where, let's say, a, a drill sergeant in the Marine Corps could be a woman over men, okay, do you see the tension that there would be there? That, that there's actually... Um, uh, something that's gone against the created order there and most likely done for the wrong... I mean, it's hard to tell wh- why it's done, but but at the very least, it's saying, God, I, I recognize the way that you've structured things, but I don't like it, and I want to be in authority over these men because, you know what? You know, I, I've got these masculine-type traits. So, so I think your point is, uh, you know, what you brought up is a good point, but but the truth is, is no man is ever outside of a position of submissiveness. They they have to be submissive as well. The question is, to whom are they to be submissive, right? Okay, we could say that within the church. You know, there's all sorts of men in our church that are in a position that aren't in a position of leadership, but that doesn't make them unmasculine, right? Because because they still have a responsibility within their homes to be leaders, and they, they do have a responsibility within the church to pursue some form of leadership. But, um, but the, the difference is, who, in, to whom are they submissive to? To whom are they under the authority, uh, you know, of whom, are, under whose authority are they, is the question. Yeah, no, that's that's not the intention here, and and we've talked about before that there are exceptions to the rule where if a person uh, like if a man becomes disabled, you know, and he's not able to care for himself, and it and the woman has to step up. But the but the difference is that that okay, whenever a woman is pursuing biblical femininity, she should not want to do that. Okay, she should not want to undermine her responsibility to actually be his uh, helper rather than to be the provider for him, right? That's that it's against the created order. Not that's not to say that she can't do that. I'm not saying that. She should pursue what means she needs to to provide for her family because her husband's disabled. But but the point is is the general pattern is yes, the men are supposed to be the ones who are providing and the women are supposed to be in a position of helping and obviously those two places that are primary are within the home and within the church and um and uh, and a woman should not want to undermine those responsibilities. Paul, we do talk about leader in the term of a position. Yeah, and it's not the case. Leader is a more of a functionary role, like you said before. Where you're, I could be an assembly worker on the plant, and I don't have any people that directly report to me, but I'm still leading every action I do. My attitude, my approach to my job, people see that leadership just in that alone. Mm-hmm. And that should, once again, that should always be God-honoring and, right. and appropriate. Yeah. Now, my, my question is, someone who, in your job, you're reporting to a woman. Yeah. That's where you get a little difficult. Because right. And that's you're, actually... You're following your normal career path, and you just happen to 
Right. And that's actually we're going to cover that on the next point, so we'll address that there. Trish? Yeah, that's 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 a great observation, Trish. Um, and uh, you know, so so the principle, or or I guess I'm not setting out here a uh, a mandate. Okay, I hope you don't hear me saying that that women should never be in a position of leadership in the workplace over men. I haven't said that, and I don't think the scriptures teach that. But in general, it should not be the case. Why? Because of the created order. Okay. Any time that is the case, when a woman is in position of leadership or authority over a man, there's going to be tension. Okay. We should we shouldn't want to to um, to, to engage in that sort of tension either as a man or a woman. Okay. So let me that draws me to kind of uh, pick up on what Trish is saying to this next point, and that is, in whatever position or endeavor you find yourself, do your best to pursue it in a way that embraces and upholds your God-given masculinity or femininity. Okay, so if you as a woman are in a position of authority over a man within the workplace. Remember, the Scriptures don't say you can't have authority over the man in the workplace. It says within the church. So if you do find yourself in a position of authority, then do it in a way that's feminine. Okay, do it in a way... That it's feminine. That doesn't mean, or what that does mean is that you don't need to be hyper masculine, you know, hyper hyperly masculine in order to uh, to fulfill that role. You know, become more uh, less relational, a little bit more cold and distanced towards your employees. That's not. I don't think that's a biblical model at all. In fact, I think that's opposed to the scripture. So if you do find yourself in a position, then okay, explore it. Or, or, or use it in a way, conduct yourself in a way that's biblically feminine. Um, and so that means that, ladies, you are made to be relational creatures, right? That doesn't mean that men are, are um, exempt from being kind and generous and, and loving and so on. But, but you remember, when God created man, he made him to rule over his creation, the the field and so on. And when he created woman, he created her to have, uh, uh, you know, a, a supporting role, a, a loving role, a relational role with her husband. And that's the way she was cursed, remember? When he was cursed, it was cursed based on his responsibilities with the land. And when she was cursed, she was cursed with her responsibilities with relation to her family, her husband and to childbearing. And, and, uh, and so that means when you're in a position of leadership, ladies, don't try to to take on some masculine identity in order to accomplish what you want. Instead, um, you know, do it in a feminine sort of way, that is, with a relational mindset. You know, in the same way that you would uh that you are supposed to treat your spouse, okay, obviously in a lower level, but the same way that you're supposed to treat your spouse in love and care 
and, uh, and, and a supporting type thing. Do that as a leader as well. Men, if you find yourself in the, under a woman's direction or authority in the workplace, okay, you don't have to usurp that authority. If she's leading you in the wrong way, you still don't have to usurp that authority. Instead, you should do your work with graciousness and a good spirit just as you were working for the Lord and not to man, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7. Um, and so that means that you need to show your female employer the honor and care that you, would sh- you, you should show to every woman. Okay, the courtesies that are normal in our culture of holding doors, you know, and, um, and, uh, and so on. All right? So uh, those are the two main encouragements with regard to workplace. Mark, do you have a thought? Unnecessary tension within a workplace. Well, no, no. When, when you have that situation where a man is supporting something, yeah. Yeah. You don't, I don't think you talked about it. You're talking about it creating unnecessary tension. Can you give some examples of that? Um. Belittling. Belittling comments. Yeah. Forceful, unnecessarily forceful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably the the idea there is um, is what I'm talking about is taking on a masculine a masculinity type role as a woman. So that is okay. Um, not that men are mas- you know biblical men are supposed to be belittling or um, you know kind of direct and author- I guess the best example I can give is is a drill sergeant. Okay, because it's it's directive and non-relational. It's this is what you are to do, and non-relational. That's not the way women are made. Okay. Now that doesn't give men the right to to treat other people in that way. That's not what I'm suggesting. But to give an extreme example would be a, a drill sergeant, right to the point, non-relational. That's not the way women are made. Jonathan. Mark, are you talking more about like if a man is working for a woman and um, he's having a difficult time with that with the role reversals or whatever and he starts to do or say things that are undermining her authority or calling into question her actions or things like that? Actually, you know, the, the word unnecessary attention or anything else on the side of Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Yep. Ken. Right. And we're used to that. Yeah. So a lot of our questions are based on what we're used to. And if you go look at a third world country, I know it's a lot different there. The men's role and the women's role in those kinds of things. In this country, it's really changed. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to be different based on culture. And remember, you're born with and are always developing a a, a secular worldview. Okay? You're, you're born with those secular worldview glasses. 
and you're looking at society in that way. And that's why when the, the Scriptures come, and we look at these principles like this, we start putting on these glasses, they, they don't seem to be in harmony with what we understand society. I think that's kind of what you're, you're getting at there. It, it feels like it's in conflict, but actually um, that's the way it is because, uh, because of sin. Vicki? Yeah. Right. Yes. Yep. Good. Greg? I just wanted to say thanks for the teaching. Uh, it just seems like, you know, over the decades, I've been flying by, but anyway, it just seems like the world is degenerating and, uh, and it's debaucheries. And uh, it's good to have a solid, get solid grounded food in our lives with the Word. Uh, yeah. So that no one can move us uh, in these last days, it seems like. Yeah. And the church is very susceptible to that type of wrong thinking. We've got to be careful where our understanding, our principles are drawn from. Good. Bill? Well, it just seems to me like the whole discussion this thing is just take up First uh, Timothy 2, verse 1 and 2. If you're a believer working in the world, you're going to have women over you at certain jobs, and women's going to have men over you at certain jobs. Go to work. Be a believer. Do your work. Go home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe a helpful way of saying saying that or summarizing that is if you're in a position within the workplace or within the world, be both, you know, uh, uh, ladies, if you're in a position of management, be both a manager and a woman, a biblically feminine woman. Okay, men, if you're in a position of um, uh, underneath the authority of a woman, then be an employee and a biblical a biblically masculine uh, person. Jonathan? A way to flesh that out is that uh, like a woman in a leadership role, she might give the opportunity to a man that she sees that potentially might be able to gather her wisdom in her role, and a a man might be able to offer himself or give ideas if the opportunity arises. You know, it may not, but I mean... Yeah. Sandra? Mm-hmm. 
actually had to, you know, be an authority over men that were mm-hmm. like 18, 19, 20, and then it really caused tension in our home. And this was, like, right after we were married. Hmm. And I actually had to come first with God and talk to this woman and, and, and got truth that, you know, God gave you a godly home and before he gave you a dad. Yeah. And therefore, you need to put yourself under your husband. And I had to put that down because of that. Hmm. Is that what you're saying? Um, I mean, that may be a uh, an application of, yeah, I mean, I think we need to determine uh, why we're doing it and make sure that we're we're doing it for the right reasons and that we're... Um, yeah, if our motivation is money, then maybe we need to think about, well, how much money do I really need? Yeah, yeah, ver- the needs versus wants. Well, one thought I had, too, was a good example, conversely, where female took the leadership role was Deborah in the Bible. There wasn't a man who was mm-hmm. stepping up to be the man, if you would. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Esther, but. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's pray. We need to go. Lord, thank you for uh, your grace. Thank you for uh, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the equality that we have in Him. And may we help uh, help us to flesh these things out as we go to our workplaces and and uh, in our homes and obviously in our church as well. Thank you for the the guidance that you give to us. We know that you haven't said everything that we would like you to say on this specific topic, but you have said everything that you wanted to say because we understand and, and believe that your word is completely sufficient. And so we go to it for for uh, for how we ought to live in life. So give us grace as we do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We should have time for more questions next week too. So um, if you have any more, we'll take them then.